you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to WeSpeakCommon.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the D&D Podcast for everyone, because here we speak common. Brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon and Describe. The Dice Dungeon is your one-stop shop for all things D&D, from premium dice sets to rolling trays, adventures, and yes, even D&D-inspired tea. Use the code WESPEAKCOMMON to get 10% off your order at the Dice Dungeon. And if you're looking for finely crafted box text to improve your player's immersion, head to Describe.com, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. You can get yourself 10% off your subscription with the code COMMON at checkout, and you can get access to 500 free scenes to use right now by following the links in the description descriptions below. This week on Table Fables, we're talking all about visions and dreams, how to run them and make them not feel just that little bit mojo jojo. Welcome to We Speak Common. And welcome to James. Hi, mate. How you doing? Hello. I'm all right. You? There's there's a moment in in intros where I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm still doing the intro, and then I'm like, oh no, wait, I'm talking to James. Hi, James. How's it going? <laughs> I just switch. <laughs> I've noticed that these last few weeks, I just switch, and I'm like, oh, I'm not. I, really just, good. I just you know, I just sit here in silence and, and, until I'm spoken to. <laughs> Damn straight. As as should be, you are you speak when you are spoken to as a guest on this podcast. Um, not not the case at all. Uh, I'm good, thank you. How how are things? What's happening? Well, you know we're we're nearly there. We're nearly at summer now. Nearly free. It's funny. We we said this off air. You said that when we sat down. You're like, oh, it's nearly nearly some holidays. And you, and you get to have my six weeks off, and I was like. I literally said to someone today that I feel like summer's already over. <laughs> like my perception of time is so different to yours. Yeah, my, my, mine's all based around the, the time off, the non-negotiable time off I get. Apart from that one day that's meant to be negotiable that never is. Yeah, that you can only take when, you know, the planets align, um, there's a full moon and yep. you, you sign away your soul for, for forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that not what it's like getting time off at work anyway? I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you you can argue over a week. I have to argue over one day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I actually, um, yeah, no, yeah, that's true. I I always get the time off that I want, so I'm living, <laughs> I'm living your dream, mate. It's great. Uh, although I have only got like seven days left for this year, which I mean, still quite a few. But yeah. um, so it swings around about. I get more of it, but it's non-negotiable. Yeah, and you have to if you want to go away anywhere, you've got the expensive flights because of the holiday prices. Yeah. Yeah. Which does kind of suck. Mm. He wants to be a teacher anyway, not me. Um, I was going to make a joke then, and I, I, I very <laughs> cleverly decided against it at the last minute. So that, was, that one's staying in my brain. I get the, I get the feeling it's a, it's, it's a joke that, uh, I, you know, might lose my job over that one. We'll leave that. We'll leave that there. Um, D&D is a thing that we don't do anymore. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know what is what is what is this thing called Dungeons and Dragons Ben? Honestly, so two players are 
away for an extended period. So we've, we're having our... Both for completely unacceptable reasons. I mean, look, you can't go on a honeymoon and you can't have kids, all right? You sign those abilities away when you join a five-year-long campaign, all right? You have to commit for five years <laughs> and know that you're never going to do either of those things. It's disgusting behaviour and I will be having words with both of them when they return. Um, so <laughs> we haven't played for three weeks now? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, well, I mean, my game has been a bit longer because we had baby scares. <laughs> we did have, yeah, to be fair, the last time we tried to play your campaign, there was a, um, yeah, there, <laughs> there was a, a scare right before we played. Um, my sisters randomly just messaged me a link to a, an event that I'm going to. Why has she done that? God, she, why does she always contact me at the worst possible time as well? It was just like, you know, whenever we came around to play D&D at your house and all of a sudden your mum would come in. Oh my God, she would love it. She loved, she would love to come in. This is when I lived with my mother. Um, she would come in and, and bear in mind that like when I lived at home, I rented two rooms. So I had like a bedroom and I had my own like annexed living room. Like it was a living room, the dining table. And like, it was like, you know, like a basic out of one bed flat in the house. Yeah. Um, and we shared a kitchen. And she had no reason to come in, but she would just love to come in and find out what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> but she would have no idea, no understanding of what was happening. Oh, are you winning? Yes, mum. yes, we're winning. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we're winning. Um, but yeah, so we haven't played D&D in ages and it's... Oh, <sighs> mm, I'm thinking about what, what I say here because it's been hard because I miss it and I want to play it. But it's also been really nice to not like to just have a little break to come back to. And I think yeah. I've said this before, like it's good to take breaks here and there. It's just not nice to take them in the middle of a campaign because it's like a weird point to stop. Yeah. it's Yeah. I mean, the breaks are always nice to go back feeling fresh. But like you say, if it's in the middle of a story arc, it is a bit, a bit disjointing. Yeah. Well, we're lucky with TOA that you're in the tomb, so it's easy to pick back up. But um I always find that with with a more deadly campaign, if you have a break and then you pick it back up. Someone dies. Yeah, because you come in and you forget that you need to be careful. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to killing one of you when we uh, maybe play next week, maybe the week after. I don't know. We'll see. Um, we need to talk to the guys, uh, and particularly the one with the newborn baby. Um, but yeah, so that's strange. We, we've been talking about The Witcher. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to play play Witcher game. Someone, someone might finally use the uh, the fancy spreadsheet I made to keep in track inventory. I need to give you a shout out for this because I didn't realise how <laughs> ridiculous this spreadsheet was. So when we so the Witcher TTRPG is is very crunchy, very um, it's important to track resources, and you can do that on a character sheet. Obviously, you have to track weight and encumbrance and all of that and. Value. value and reliability and what's broken and what's fixed all that stuff so when we played for the first time earlier in the year one of the players was playing a merchant which obviously takes that inventory tracking aspect of the game and fucking times is it by a hundred because you're tracking a full shop inventory that's what you do. You're a merchant. Yeah. Um, and 
it was difficult. And so you made this spreadsheet and I was GMing, so I wasn't worried about it. I was like, hey, I'll look at it when yeah. I'm playing. And um, we had our session zero for our next uh, episode, as it were, our next little arc that we're going to play, four, four or five session arc. And, um, and oh my God, like it's, it's, I don't understand how it works, but it works. I mean, I mean, when I looked at it again, I forgot how it works. It's like a second brain, James. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an Excel person. Like I don't like formulas confuse me, but oh my God, it's magic. It's, it's real life magic. Yeah. Like it does everything for you. How did you do this? Um, funnily enough, it actually comes from setting up spreadsheets for teaching. Oh, well, there you go. Being a teacher is worth something then. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh. Well, we're going to, we're going to play our first session on Monday. Yes. And we've, we've got two witches and a mage, uh, which means none of us are very good at being social. I mean, the, the mage is better at being social, but they, so the witcher game is very specialized. Like you're all good at one thing and bad at everything else. Um, the witches obviously canonically don't have empathy or anything like that. So I think my empathy stat is zero, which is the lowest it can be. Um, yours is one. Yours is much yeah. better. The mage is good at talking to people, but they're feared by pretty much everyone. So um, that doesn't really put you in good stead. So uh, we're playing a very roleplay heavy adventure, apparently, and are going to be in the shit all the way yeah. through. I mean, our, our one saving grace is the fact that uh, Wesley's the one going to be running it, so he will reward our roleplay. He will reward our roleplay, although I've, I've, I hope that he also doesn't just let us get away without making rolls and checks and things. Yeah. Um, he said to me the other day, you were there, he said that he doesn't like the verbal combat rules and I nearly cried. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. Uh, anyway, we shan't talk about that. We're not talking about the witches today. We are talking about um, dreams, not aspirations and, uh, uh, and what you want to do with your life, but more, more as nightmares and visions yeah um and how we run them and how we make them feel unique but also believable i think is the way i'm gonna go with this because i always worry that they feel a bit wishy-washy if you don't do them right yeah um that's my way i never want sometimes you want to run a vision or a dream for a player and you want them to not realize they're in a vision or a dream at first and sometimes you want it to be really outlandish and different and ah crazy so it's finding that line i think but um yeah. we both got experience in running these so yeah let's uh, let's talk about first of all james have you ever had a vision in life nope oh. <laughs> okay fine I, I am divinely untouched yeah i uh i thought i had a vision the other night i had a dream that uh <laughs> a really weird dream like one of those dreams where i woke up and literally went fuck i hope that's not a i hope that's not a premonition <laughs> because in my dream i was at a hospital in manchester sure yeah. i live um i've never been to hospital in manchester so there you go and i was with my friend grace and i looked out the window and went oh that's a nuclear warhead falling out of the sky and, um, and it fell out of the sky it hit the floor, hit the car park, bounced. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're meant to do that. No. And I went, oh, and then it hit the floor again and blew up. 
And I was like, ah, and I died. And then the next part of the dream was all about surviving in this nuclear fallout bunker underneath the um, hospital. Weird. Really weird. You've just been playing Fallout? No. I hadn't. So I'm I'm genuinely worried there's going to be a bright flash and my life's going to be over any second now, but... No, it's um, instant. Well, I hope so. Right, if you're close enough. God, I hope I'm close enough. Because if you've... I went down a rabbit hole. We've gone on a proper tangent now. Yeah. I went on a rabbit hole of reading um, people's true uh, stories from the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. Um, and the Japanese survivors of those bombings, they, they, have a, they have a special Japanese word for them. And I don't remember what it was. And there was like this fear of um, they, they, people who had survived didn't want people to know that they'd survived the bombings because there was like this stigma around them and all this stuff. Yeah. And they had this special name. And they finally, over the last like five years, people have started talking about their actual experiences. And some of them are horrific and harrowing. And um, yeah, if you're not in the immediate like vaporization zone, it's not a good time. It's awful. It's so bad. It's so bad. Also, I know that we've got a camera on and you can now see that there's like a bright light coming from it. The bomb hasn't gone off. It is the sun setting, James. Don't worry. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a weird tangent. Let's talk about vision. So I had one recently. I have visions all the time. Um, I don't have dreams as a human being. I tend not to dream a lot. I do. I just don't remember them. Um, yeah. But I feel like I've had what I would define as visions, um, which are uh, just premonitions. If you've, ever, if you've ever in real life, like, premonist something like maybe you've gone like oh i feel like someone like i'm gonna get a phone call and then your phone rings or you're like ah oh, uh i'm having like really vivid deja vu where like i i know that i've had this conversation before that's my real life inspiration for running like a vision in mm. D. yeah so usually it's like oh, god the god wants to get in touch with the player or the patron or um uh, uh, an otherworldly force of magic wants to show them a potential future or they're reliving the memory of another or something like that, that tends to be the kind of stereotypical visiony thing that you get. And so for me, my goal is to work out the theme and the genre kind of of the vision. Yeah. And then base how I describe and run that through those filters. Um, so let's take, I'm trying to think of an example from a game that I've run recently. Um, because there's the, there's walking the maze of life, which was kind of like a vision that, um, I did with Wolfgang Ray's character in TOA, which we can talk through. Um, that's probably the last one I did. So should we go through that one? Do you think that counts as a vision? Um, I, I can't remember that one, to be honest. <gasps> okay, I'm going to talk about it then because I've set it up now. So in TOA, uh, Wolfgang is the paladin of uh, Tyr and he went off on a journey. He was in Mesro and he was he made contact with Uptal, the god of Cholt, the god of the dinosaurs. Um, and Uptal's thing is all about walking the maze of life. And in the lore, in Mesro, where, which was his kind of city, that's where his, his chosen were, uh, there was a, a temple and it had been corrupted and Wolfgang had gone there to uncorrupt it. And in that place, there is a room which you can only get to if you are welcomed in by Uptal and you can only come through that room by walking the maze of your life. And if you do, you are blessed and gifted by Uptal. 
nowhere anywhere does it tell you what walking the maze of your life looks like. So you have to kind of work out how you want to present that as, um, as a DM. And I had this wonderful, uh, full backstory from Ray. And I said to him, okay, give me, like, I've got it all written out, but give me now, refresh, now that you've played a lot longer, your key moments in your life. And he gave me a, a handful, which were ones that I, some of them I'd picked out myself as well. So I was glad that he picked a few of them. Um, I said, give me, give me more names from people in your family. Like, give me more background stuff. He knew he was going to walk the maze of his life. Um, so I described it as, and bear in mind, there are people there with him because this is a physical place. It's a vision, but it's a physical manifestation of a vision. Um, so there are people, three party members who were following him, but weren't, he couldn't see them. They were just, they were just there witnessing and, um, they couldn't interact or talk to him. It was only him and Uptal communicating. And so he walks into this room and it's like a, I described it as a black space, an empty space. Or was it white? It was white or black. One of the two, either one works depending on what kind of dualistic way you want to go with it. Um, so let's say it was white because Uptal's good. Um, so it's a big white empty space. I said, you can't, you see no depth, you see no floor, you see no ceiling. It's big, open and white. And in front of you, you see um, the depiction of a man. He's, he's an older gentleman. His features are heavy set. Uh, his mm. eyes are sad and he looks familiar to you. It's your father. And he steps forward and he starts talking to him and he realizes, ah, this isn't my dad. This is Uptal. And Uptal says, well, look, I, I can't show you my true visage because it would burn your eyes out. But here, here I am in a form that I believe is more comforting to you. Let's walk the maze of your life. And so they started walking. So let's walk and talk and they walk and talk. And so I described how he felt the motion of his feet moving and the, the, the hardness of the floor beneath him, even though the floor did not exist. And um, they moved, but nothing around them moved because it's an empty white void. And they talked. And slowly but surely, something began to appear in the distance. And it was a scene from his life. And I think the first one we came across was uh, just picking one out of the ones that we showed um when he was a young boy and he was in his home and like his mum and dad have an argument or something i can't remember um and so i described it as this open white empty space and then he could see like a dice a dissected part of of the real world and like where there was a brick wall, it would be a white brick wall and then slowly it would, the, the color would be there and then it would be the actual brick wall and mm. it would be the inside of the house and he could see people talking, moving. And when he interacted with the scene, he would flash to being in his own perspective in that scene. And so I showed off these scenes in his life and, and he, he was asked questions by Uptown and he asked questions back to him and they talked about it. And at one point Ray even said, no, we're going to go to a different scene. And he managed to, you know, take the narrative into his own hands and, and bring a different scene forward from his life to show Uptal. And the whole theme for me that I was going for, which hopefully you're picking up on, is this kind of non-objectionalized view on what has happened. Here's your life. We're going to go through it. We're going to talk through your key moments. And you're going to tell me why these moments matter to you and why they matter to anybody and what they mean and what you learned from them. And then I'll decide whether you're worthy of my blessing. And that's what it was. And so this kind of blank canvas area 
that had droppings of moments from life was this wonderful kind of way to just go, there's nothing, then there's something. What comes next? Is it nothing or is it something? Mm. Um, very, I, was quite, uh, I was quite proud of it. I really enjoyed doing it that way as well. Yeah, like I said, the reason I don't know about that one is because I wasn't there for that one, Ben. You must have been there for that. I feel like we did no, it in... I was No, I was not there for that. That's sad. Yeah. It was um, really good. Well, take it from me, James. It was it was the best DMing anyone will ever see in their lives ever. And you can't deny that because you weren't there. Okay. Um, I could just say, you know, I've seen better, which to me, you know, Mike, which disproves that statement. Um, well, I, you'll never know, truly, because you weren't there. Yeah. Um, I think it was that happened in the main when because Wolfgang was on a side story for a bit I think it was his first session back that that happened I could be wrong it, I think it was the it was the session before really <sighs> that's a shame that I wasted that on just one player yeah <laughs> there wasn't a waste at all um, but it was the it was a an interesting different approach to take right. to visions um, it was I, I might be repeating myself but it's very you know, when you you when you were describing it, it's a bit Matrix esque. Yeah, yeah. Like when he says, when Neo's like, "We need guns," and all of the guns just appear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose there's like there's, there's there's sort of like two key bits in that, which I think, if you're running dreams or visions, um, that you need to get down, and it's that link to players' backstory and mm. well, their, their character's backstory and uh, player agency. Yeah, well, this is a very active scene. Like, yeah. Ray was able to morph it and take the narrative and, and play with it. Um, and, and I think with Visions, it, it, the, the, what's the word? The, um, I mean, the, the temptation the, is to just go full on, just, just narrative with them. Yeah, like you can't do anything, you're just witnessing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, if, even then there's, you know, there's going to be a varying sort of sliding scale of just how much agency you, you want the player to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, my, my example I'd run to would be um, Class Dream um, in Avernus. Yes. Um, and, you know, I asked all of you guys, you know, I want your character's worst fears. This is, this is going back a bit now as yeah. well. Um, your worst fears and and Klaff's key one was like being alone and being forgotten and and such. Yeah, um, amounting to nothing. And amounting to nothing. Yeah, and then um, you know the purpose of that dream was it was something that had been put there by someone to like demoralise you and 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 effectively break you guys. So the idea was it really exploited on those character fears. Yeah. Um. And if I remember rightly, Claff didn't have a huge amount of agency in that, but you had the ability, you know, you could look around, you could, you could try and talk and communicate with people in the dream and they would, they would respond to you in the way that the dream wants to respond to you. But at the end of the day, Claff was being thrown over a cliff in a bag at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, this is the thing, right? I, and I, I, let me touch on that first because you said something interesting in that you you were trying to really touch on these character fears and in a way the vision is trying to elicit a response from the characters but but more so the players like you're trying to unnerve 
me as class player. Yeah. Because I've gone, here's his fear and here's, here's like how I'm role-playing him. And you've gone, okay, cool. Um, the norm of D&D is that you have your hero fantasy and you're, you know, you're playing that. Um, but right now you're going to experience the opposite of that where you, no matter what you do, that fear is played on. And I'm going from swinging swords, killing demons and having a good time to being like, what, what's happening? I've rolled a, <laughs> I've rolled a 20. Why isn't it working, James? I don't understand. And I'm panicked. And that's what you want, right? That was yeah. because th- that was the theme of that vision was this kind of this fear and, yeah. and anguish. Um, yeah, I think, oh God, I've got so many ideas flying around my I mean, brain. I need to do one at a time. You could, I suppose in a way you, you take to a degree um inspiration from from your actual dreams because mm. you know thinking back to, to you know i can't always necessarily remember you know all the content of a dream but you know for instance i can remember dreams where i've gone oh this is a dream mm. and then i've I'll pulled myself out of it or i've gone this is a dream but shit that nightmare's still happening <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But this Uh, is the thing as well. Like sometimes you can't, so dreams in real, in the real world, the way we, we think of them and remember them, they, they jump, right? So you, one minute you're, I don't know, riding your bike down your childhood neighborhood and the next minute you're sat in school, right? There's no in between. There's no logical jump. It just jumps. Um, you stop clicking my fingers. Sorry. Um, and things like that, if you're going for that vibe are hard to play off in D and D without the character knowing, Oh, this is a dream. And you might not necessarily want them to immediately think it's a dream because you want them to, you know, f- be confused or be worried or, or something. So there are a couple of like stereotypical things. So with, with dreams that happen at night, it's like, Oh, I'll just narrate it. So, okay. During the night you get an, uh, an, an unrest, uh, a restless sleep and you dream, you see this and you just tell them what they see and the player sits there and goes, what? I don't understand. This is confusing. What? Oh my God, that's horrific. Uh, and you, then you wake up in a sweat. What do you do? And it's like, okay, that works, right? You've just narratively told the player what they've experienced. They've had a very passive experience. Not a bad way of doing it. it elicits a very specific feeling and vibe of helplessness and being a witness to the dream. Yeah. Okay. If you're imparting a, a divine message or you're having a patron threaten them or they're premonition, having a premonition of the end of the world, that's a great way of doing it. Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't say the, 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 the patron imparting a message. Okay. Well, well I, if the patron is imparting like a, um, I hate this turn of phrase, metaphorical message, where it's, you know, see images and stuff, then that mm. works. If it's one where the patron literally talks to them, mm. I would think that is the worst way to do it. Okay. Because I would say if their, if their patron is communicating to them in a direct way, as opposed to indirect for like images and signs, then they should have the ability to respond in some way. Okay. I can, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, I think that's a preference thing. I'd, I, yeah. I'm not disagreeing or agreeing. I think it would depend on the situation. Um, but I, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, the more active way of doing a vision or a dream is 
where you have the player have agency and let them make choices and maybe they know it's a dream maybe they don't i'm a big fan of not knowing or yeah. them not realizing so um it's difficult if if you're at a point in the adventure where they've just gone to sleep in a an inn in new hampshire and you need to flash them a dream of when they were in the city and it was being sieged and burning down they're obviously gonna know something weird's going on right yeah um however if it's a new character introduction or it's the start of an adventure or like oh james's character died last session he's playing a new one cool i'm going to intro this new character and you all sit down at the table and where the, the rest of the party knows they left off in the minds of the New Hampshire Dales and they were just coming up to the lovely little sweet, sleepy dwarf village. Yeah. So why have we sat down for a session and Ben's gone, James, you're surrounded by smoke, fire and blood. The city is screaming. You're running through your arm hanging off by tendrils, you know, like yeah. they're like, what the, what's going on? What's this, this absolute nightmare? Who is this person that's going to be joining the adventure? And then after, and I say, you know, you run down the, the street and you see your best friend um, turn to look at you with like just joy because he realizes that you're still alive. What do you do? And you go, oh, well, I'm going to run up to him. And I go, cool. You run towards him. Blade comes through his chest and he dies. And you're like, ah, like, you know, you've got choice there. You, you decide yeah. to go to him. And then maybe as you're describing, you go, oh, I know. I know how this dream goes. Can I um, do something different? And I'm going to do this, this and this. And then we describe that. Yeah. And then the players realize, or you get to the point of, cool, you wake up in a sweat when you die. Um, and everyone goes, oh, it was a dream. You know, <laughs> that's a really cool way of like subverting the expectation of, what a vision or a dream is yeah. because the player and, or other players or witnesses don't know it's a dream until the last moment. Yeah. And you're just introducing a nice extra little bit of character backstory and stuff there. And mm -hmm. as well, like when the, when everyone else goes, Oh, hang on. That was, that was a dream. They, they don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, exactly. Like Cause that, it's a, that, it's a foggy memory or a nightmare, right? Yeah. It, it, it could have happened exactly like that. It could have happened. Nothing like that. They don't know. Mm. Um, yeah, so I guess if we're separating dreams and visions into two different categories, dreams are harder to do in ways that aren't obviously dreams. Yeah. Because they require either a jump in time or location. It's, it's the fact they require the, the player to be asleep because you've, you've got that very solid yeah. delineation between falling asleep and waking up that's like a very solid now i yeah. could see a rather you, interesting circumstance involving hallucinogens okay put a, put, put a pin in that <laughs> jesus we're going down drug use um you could also have that situation with visions because you could have a vision that that you're you're seeing something happen somewhere else from where you are um so I think that that's not necessarily just a dream issue, but it's more likely with a dream that like yeah. there's a clear barrier between the waking world and the the sleeping world. Yeah, you can yeah, because visions you can very much have as you go. Like I did in Tyranny a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, so you guys were in the basement of Zonfall's tower, in yes. like this you know this infinite expanse of space, and um, there's the bridgeway, and it was Dave's character that got knocked off Keltrax. 
may he rest in peace. Um, oh, I'd forgotten. Yeah. Uh, and he was knocked off and he saw a sort of a very vague vision of sort of a starry outline of, of, of his God and the, the things and one of the stars just blinking out. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was for him to decide what that meant. Too bad. We'll never know. Yeah, and he was completely conscious. He had he had just fallen off of a thing and was falling, and he he glimpsed that in this starry void. Um, mm. Did it did it really happen? We'll never know. Was it just a vision or a hallucinate hallucination? Yeah. You know, it's they blur the lines of what's real. Um, we should. I've thought as well. Now that you've said hallucinogenics, we should um, take some. No, we <laughs> should um, put a, another category in dreams and visions being hallucinations, and we'll come back to those. Yeah. Because I have a fun one with that. Um, okay. Before we talk about visions, um, I just want to go back to my comment about taking some hallucinogens. Um, Uh-oh. Because <laughs> you too can feel like you're hallucinating or make your players think they're hallucinating when you start eating dice. Dice? What do you mean? I mean Dice Sweets. That's the weirdest segue I've ever done. Um, over on the Dice Dungeon, there's a link in the description below. They now sell Dice Sweets. And this is the coolest thing in the world. So obviously, my friends, Ben and Dave, they run the Dice Dungeon. They have been for many a year now. Your premium dice uh, uh, suppliers, whether they be metal, resin, acrylic, uh, they've got deluxe sets. They've got dice rolling trays. They've got books. They've got bags. They've got everything. They've now got sweets. Sweets that look like actual... D&D dice sets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you... <laughs> if you want to punish a die and that rolls badly, you can eat it. If you want to gain some good luck and you just roll the nat 20, snack that down. Oh my God, do you know what though? Imagine, imagine rolling like a die and it giving you like three ones in a row and you go, do you want to know what happens if you give me... You listen here, you D20 that I'm, <laughs> that I'm talking to. You've table's going to think you're saying this is what happens if you do that again and then you eat a, a different g20 as an example and it like freaks out and then rolls you only 20s because that's how dice work right yeah yeah they're, cool. they're living sentient beings um you have actually eaten these sweets before i have yes i have not um i don't know why i think it was you had them at dragon meat didn't you yeah there was there was some ed- edible sweet dice and it was um uh... There were some edibles. I think I was talking to someone or like was I was doing something because I don't remember them having these sweets when I was there and I'm gutted that I missed it. Um, but, but yeah, they're it on was, there. So, yeah. I mean, the other, the other great thing about them as well, Ben, is, you know, if, if you're getting, you know, one of, the, one of the mid-range dice underneath the free shipping level, they, they do just quite nicely tip you over the free shipping point. <laughs> They do. And I, that, that's such a good shout, Jay. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of saying that. They really do. So um, if you want to get the best, the bang for your buck at the Dice Dungeon, go and fill your, your trolley up with some dice and some your cart and whatever. Use the code we speak common to get 10% off. Drop some sweets in there. Get the free shipping. And maybe check out their tea. Yes, they have tea too. Um, honestly, I'm, I love when Ben and Dave add new fun things because everything they add to their shop is something new and different. Like sweets and tea. Yes, yeah. I want that. Um, cool. There's a link below. Go check them out. If uh, you are maybe a newer DM or one that finds the creative writing of visions and dreams difficult, then our other partners, Describe, are the ones to help you out. Their website is D-S-C-R-Y-B. That's how you spell it. Add a dot com on the end. Again, link below. They've got professional creative writers 
doing the hard work for you and really just boosting the immersion of your game. So it's just like box text from a pre-written adventure, but uh, for you to use in any D&D game that you're playing. You go on the website, you search the scene, maybe it's a, a spell or a magic item or a particular vision or a monster or a landscape, and it will come up with something. They've got over 10,000 scenes available right now. They've got ones available for players to use, and um, they're, they're, they're bloody brilliant. They're just, they're just so well written. Go check them out. There's 500 for free that you can use right now. And then if you want to subscribe and get full access to the ever-growing collection, then you can use the code COMMON at checkout to get 10% off your monthly subscription. Um, honestly, if telling a story and getting your players really there physically in the moment is something you, you want to focus on, these guys will help you out. And they are, are great examples of how to write really thought-provoking descriptions too. Um, okay, visions. Visions. So, I, I feel like with visions and the whole having them when you're awake thing, um, I, can f I find it quite jarring. I struggle with this one more than I struggle. I feel like dream dreams are easier to do because you're just like, oh, you're asleep, dream. Um, I find sometimes the moment of inciting a vision can be tricky so the stereotypes are like oh when you touch an object that gives you a vision or when you you have an inciting moment like that like a, a powerful deity puts a finger to your forehead boom vision um i've got one for you that no one realized was a vision gone um so when you guys were back in water deep and one of the characters was in the church of i want to say lafanda yes church Probably. of lafanda and um you know, he was just there chilling around and uh, next thing you know, he has a child run into him and then uh, off the child goes, uh, you know, finds some in his pocket a little while later. But the point is, um, the child was never there. Was that the, the kid in Wesley's sword? No. Oh. <laughs> that's 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 not a vision that kid is in there um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just shut the fuck up James it's fine <laughs> um, but no it was it was quite interesting because obviously straight away that player and in fact the, the people that was with them didn't realise that that was just a like a little sort of vision thing and went off looking around the church for this child and was like what child what are you on about yeah, I do remember that now. Yeah. What was the what was the point of the vision? Like, why why did it happen there and then? Um, it was it was the sort of the moment where um they had they had sort of recommitted themselves and they were asking for almost like some help or guidance, and so it was a way of Lafanda going, "Yep, you good? Off you pop!" And here's this little thing I want to just give you to to give you a bit of a hand. Hmm. Okay. I like that. I feel like it kind of blurs the line between vision and hallucination. Like if you say to your God, give me a sign mm. and they go, okay, cool. Here's, here is a shining red beacon that only you can see. Is that's that, a, is that that's, a vision that's, or that, hallucination? That's, that's, a, that, that, that's like, you know, vision, hallucination, because the hallucination is something that comes from 
Within. From within. Whereas vision, you would normally see as something that comes from the external. If that makes sense. I like that. I like that as a, as, as a definer. Yeah. That's nice. So how do you use that then? Because, I mean, we have, we have players in a world like if you're running standard D&D, uh, like Faerun that has so many different gods, we have players calling out for aid all the time. And you don't want as, or I don't particularly as a DM, want to throw around the gods like they're no. always listening and always going to help and just going to drop you a hint left, right and center. You know, it's not a cheap book. Um, and then you've got things like divine intervention, which we're not going to get on uh, now because that's completely different. But sometimes it makes sense to drop something. So when it's a more divine orientated character, like a paladin or a cleric who does pray every single day and is always, you know, they're on like Wolfgang is on a holy mission from his God. For well, example. yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if the, the paladin or whatever is on a holy mission that they're, they're gonna occasionally get a, a little, a little ping or, or a, a nudge or something. But mm. you know, if, if they're not on this holy mission and they're just out and about and doing crap, then they're not going to get visions, are they? No. Like, it just and wouldn't make sense. Warlock patron visions feels like a great usage of, like, a uh, great old one whose visage I can't actually know because it will burn out my brain. Please, help me. Tell me why I'm doing something. And then you get the flash of a couple of images of, like, here's what your actions will do. And you're like, cool, great, now I understand. Or like, just that's like interesting, you know, if they're like, oh, I don't really want to do this, and then the next picture in their mind is a is their dying brutal or death. being brutal yeah, yeah. death, yeah. Oh wow, I understand that is a threat. Um, there's a there's a scene in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron hmm. where Wanda uses her magic to show Tony Iron Man, Tony Stark, um the visage of like all of the Avengers like dead on a hill and Cap's shield is broken and yeah. um, the hammer is in pieces and it's like a flash and then it goes away. That's a vision in yeah. my mind. Yeah. That's um, a great like media representation of what a vision is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that could equally cross over into hallucination depending, but um. That do, you, one. Do, you, do you have anything else to say about visions or do you want to talk about hallucinations? Let me talk about hallucinations because they, you know, there is a lot of crossover there. Um, yeah. And I've, I've only done hallucinations once. Have you got experience with hallucinations? No, sorry, let me rephrase that. I've only, as a GM, run a hallucina- hallucination once in D&D. I mean, it wasn't D&D, but you know. Um, I think I've got like the one experience as well. Okay. Um. But like, you know, I've, I've had ideas around them and I've thought about them a fair bit. Um, As you do. Because it's, it's one of those things where it's never been quite right to use it. Okay. Um, just because you've got to be careful in that you don't want to make the players feel cheated or hard done by. Yeah. Um. You know, it's got to be, well, first of all, it's got to be something they can avoid in the first place. Okay. Because I feel like if you're putting a hallucination in, usually the way you put it in is, say, for example, they walk into a room and they will see something completely different to what is actually there. 
Yeah, which is really difficult to communicate, right? Yeah. And so what, you know, what you can inadvertently do is they go in and they, they start interacting with this hallucination and then it ends. It's like, all right, yeah, well, then you've just killed the family of four. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and it's a bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> I wouldn't choose to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, you need to be really careful. I think the best way to run a hallucination is to have them be really quick fleeting moments mm. because then they're confusing and that's what you want. So my experience, the one time I've ever run these was, uh, was in a Witcher game and the character was a man at arms, I believe, who um, in their life path had rolled up this uh, addiction oh, yeah. to a, uh, a substance. There was a drink, type of drink, it was a potion, an elixir. And if they drank it, then it was bad because they were intoxicated and like weren't very good at things. And if they didn't drink it, they got withdrawal symptoms. They were bad at things and they um, started to hallucinate and hear voices. Mm. And that was the thing. It was, I hear voices um, or something along those lines. It wasn't exactly, I hear voices or something like that. And they have violent tendencies because they're a man at arms. And the player said to me, like, play on this. Like, this is, I'm going to make this a core part of my character. Like, this is something I would like to experience. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a challenge. Leave it with me. And they started the adventure off already. Like you'd traveled up to Kavir and Povis. So you were really, really far up north. You'd been on the road for ages. They'd run out of their elixir. Like we'd rolled to see if they had any yeah. all this stuff. Um, and there were th- four of you, three of you went off to do something else. And he, his character, he turned to the mage and said, oh, are you, um, this mage, this NPC, are you able to help me brew something? Are you able to help me do this, this, and this? And so we were having a normal conversation as a PC and an NPC. And I, I was like, this is a, they'd already f- failed their role. They knew they'd failed their role, but nothing had happened. So they'd kind of forgotten that it happened. Um, and so he said something like, oh, can you, can you do X, Y, Z for me? And as this, this mage, this sorceress, I said something completely different to yeah. what she actually said. So she said something really grim and like violent, like, yeah, sure, but you're going to have to kill so-and-so because um, I need, you know, you have to go and murder them. I want you to go and slit their throats or something like really graphic. And yeah. the character, the player went, what? And uh, and basically said that as the, the character too, went, what do you mean I have to kill him? And I, as the, as the NPC went, what are you on about? Yeah. I said, you need to follow me upstairs. And they went, what? And I'm like, are you, are you all right? And like, yeah. And then it happened again. And they were like, what is going on? And I was like, mm, then I mate, you're hearing things. And he was, she's like, are you hearing me? Right. And he was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> and there's that initial shock of, wait, what? That moment is what you're looking for. I think with hallucination, hallucinations. Yeah. And if you've got it with a player and a, an NPC who can go, who can question and say, I'm sorry, what did you just say? And then they can say what they actually said. Yeah. You know, and they hear something different. Then they know, okay, I'm hallucinating. And that's the important, that's it. That's the key is quick, fleeting, understanding yeah. after the shock. See, I, I, I did quite the opposite. Quite a big one with another group. <laughs> <gasps> you did what you, 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 they killed a family of four? No, not quite. Um, oh, okay. 
so they were going into somewhere with um effectively with with mind flares in you know classic. the old classic um and i can't remember how whether i had it but it's like a weird gas or something that happened or it was just the mind flares doing their mind flurry stuff um <laughs> just just out here flaying minds yeah um, but effectively, they they walked into a room. It looked completely normal, like there was normal stuff going on in there. Uh, you know, they greeted by these people. You know, back into like <laughs> Not what, normal mind flare yeah. stuff or normal normal stuff. Normal normal stuff. Okay, um, and they were like, you know, beckoned to sit down in chairs and you know partake of food and and such. Um, but the whole time while I'm describing this, it's you know I'm just chucking in those little bits things that are off. Um, or like, you know, you look round and, you know, your, your vision sort of blurs a bit, sort of dropping those hints that it's not quite what's there. Yeah. And, and the hope that eventually one of them would cotton on and eventually one of them did, um, you know, and, and as they sort of realise and they, they shake off its effects, they wake up and they're actually being put into these weird contraptions by the mind flayers. And then like, and then their characters are like, what the fuck is going on? Guys, everyone wake up. And they're all there like, ooh, we're drinking tea. Or, ooh, <laughs> oh, look at this lovely sponge cake. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they wake up and it's a weird little tadpole. Um, oh, dang. <laughs> oh. God, those little tadpoles. Um, but like, the, the I think the key there was just dropping those little hints of you know just your, your vision blurs like strangely or that that thing doesn't look quite right or that thing is an odd size or the, the colors yeah off or... it's almost like the little hints that you want to put in that something's an illusion right you, it's kind of along that line yeah but i feel like you you don't want it necessarily to rely on on a perception check them noticing them no because you know, the the hallucination coming from within, like the way I picture it is that their brain doesn't want them to snap out of it, so it drops them them hints, whereas the purpose of the illusion is to trick you and, and keep you sucked in. Um Yeah. Another really fun one, just quickly while I'm thinking about it. Um have you ever in real life <laughs> I say in real life, have you ever in life think you've heard someone call out your name, but they haven't? Yes. That's, that is the vibe you want for hallucination. So, oh, you're walking down the street and you hear someone call out your name or you think you hear someone call out your name and, or, or someone says something and, you, and you, you want the player to react, basically. So you're like, oh, you hear someone say, Brayla, what are you doing? And you go, oh, well, I'm going to turn and look to who shouted. And you're like, well, there's no one there. Yeah. Or you know, you, you, you know, you're inducing the old paranoia there. Yeah, and um, you, you, what you want is for the player to go, what do you mean there's no one there? And then you as the DM basically have to gaslight them and go, <laughs> there's no one there, James. I don't just, know just what, no, what we, you want to say. There's we, no one there. We don't condone gaslighting in any way, shape or form. Unless it's your players. <laughs> and it's for the story. Um, I've, I've just had an interesting thought as well. About um, gaslighting your players? No, about like hallucinations <laughs> and visions and dreams. Um it can be interesting for players to see someone else undergoing them. So yeah. what's your vibe on that? I'm going to go straight for the really grim option. Oh gosh. Um, Great. That I'm, Great. I'm pretty sure I did with you guys at some point in Avernus as per usual. Um, if you guys came across someone and, and they were eating someone else. Oh but, yeah. Oh, but they didn't oh. think they, they, they were full on in 
whatever hallucination or whatever. I um, blocked that memory out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, you can... Player characters can have really interesting interactions with people who are either um, in, like, you know, like a sleepwalky, dreamy state or they're having this vision or this hallucination because they can take it one of two ways. They can try and snap them out of it. They can, they can play, they can play into it if it gets them something as well. There's, there's always that thing of like, don't wake a sleepwalker. And if that's what it feels like. So we, we came across this devil or demon. I think it was a devil who um, had this banquet table and there was someone there eating food and we, it was set out like a banquet table when we were invited to sit down and none of us ate. Or did I eat? You or one of you ate. One of you ate. I can't I think, remember. I think it might have been Clath. I think Clath did eat, and that's why he's vegetarian now. Um, because <laughs> he realised it was human. But his their plates, importantly, were actual real plates with actual real food on. Right, looked like real food. Whereas this other this NPC literally had like a body. That's actually another point where I did hallucination really well, actually. Yeah. Well, if you do well, say so yourself, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Um, that was none of you realised. Yeah. The um the 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 person had like had a body in front of them and like the belly was open and they were just getting their hands in there like oh ugh. yeah. Um and we didn't want to wake them up from that yeah. because god you'd you'd break mentally you just you'd you'd, you'd oh god what would you do? Yeah. You know. Um I Yeah, I don't like the idea of Oh, when the when a character's having a vision, you can't interact with them. Like they're like in a trance. That always feels like a trope to me. Um, I like the thing of oh, I can see that they're like they're doing something. Yeah, I mean, you can have like you know, if someone's in that dream trance visiony state, you can have the when players do stuff to them outside can affect whatever's going on in their version of events. Yeah. Um, so you know, so they're waving their hand in front of their face. You know, in in their vision, the the lights are like flashing, or, or it's almost like they rationalise, yeah, anything that's happening mm. in in the actual real physical space, yeah, um, which can, which is a fun role play situation, and it it, it stretches that creative uh, creativity and those creative muscles, and impro- improvised muscles that you have, um, for sure. I thought of something while we were talking that I wanted to bring up and I think it's left me is and it, it's really annoying is it gone it's gone for gone for a walk it'll come it, back in about an hour's time well that's not we're not going to sit here for an hour and hope it comes back <laughs> uh, what were we talking about hallucinations visions hallucinating demons devils food, eating flesh No, I think it's gone. Player interaction with, with the hallucinogenic. Oh, that's it. Okay. One I've always, something I've always wanted to do, and I know you know about this, so I'm not afraid to talk to you about this, and, and I'm pretty sure it's something you wanted to do, and that's exactly the reason why neither of us could run it for our group, because we both know exactly immediately <laughs> what was going on, and it yeah. ruins the whole thing. It's the false hydra. Yeah, yeah, we both want to do the false yeah. hydra, but we can't do it. We can't do it because you, you, the only reason the false hydra is so effective is that nobody has any idea what it is or what's happening. So if you don't know, it's this, I think it was a creepypasta originally and it was made into a D&D monster or something like that. 
and it and there there are adventures for it and there are stat blocks for it they're not very good um you have to like really to make it your own and make to make it interesting but the, the premise is simple the false hydra is a creature that um plants itself in a location usually a village like a sleepy town village in the middle of nowhere and feeds off of the people and the energy of the people and and manipulates the surroundings to make sure everyone thinks everything's normal and happy and just continues to feed right makes a farm out of this village and the way it does that is by planting or removing memories so yeah and it um it's a bit like those creatures from doctor who the the wood aliens matt smith era um it only exists whilst the 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 PCs the perceive, yeah, the silence that it only exists to the PCs whilst they perceive it physically. Yes, it, yeah. So it only exists if you can actually physically see it. Otherwise, you forget about it. Yeah. So the premise of this 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 encounter, this adventure that would happen over a series of days, is that let's say you've got four party members, four players. It's a party of five. They've got an NPC with them. They arrive at this village. It's all normal. You describe it. They go about the day. They go to the shop. They talk to some characters. They buy a drink at the tavern. They get an in-room. They stay. Blah, 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 blah. Um, they wake up the next morning. And there isn't... Their, their, their fifth NPC member isn't there anymore. They're gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the players go, where's, where's Yanis? And you go... Who's talking about? Yeah. And as as the DM, you go, well, who are you talking about? And they go, our NPC Yanis. And you go, I I don't know who you're talking about. Sorry. Anyway, you go about your day, and they go, what? And I go, you go, let's just keep going. And you go, you you um you you go downstairs and you walk into the bar, and they're like, I want to talk to the innkeeper. And you're like, okay, cool. And you're, the innkeeper's like, ah, oh, did you sleep well? And they go, yeah. Did our friend come down? They go. What friend? You've there's only four of you. You booked all the rooms out, and they go, "No, we booked five rooms." You go, "I've only got four rooms at this." I just thought of a way we could run it, Ben. Okay, hold that thought. Um, I've only I've only got four rooms at this um tavern. I've never had five rooms. What are you talking about? And so then they go and look for the fifth room, and they find a door, and in the room it's like ransacked, and there's all these random items that they've never seen before. The characters have never seen them before, but the players know. This is Yanis's gear. Something's not right here. And they find a clue that points them to the, I don't know, the shop. And they go to the shop and they talk and like, they start going through this day and they realize that like they're missing memories, right? They're not, or things that they're remembering aren't quite right. Um, Anyway, it goes on Um, and it progressively gets worse and and even better if, if, if you do it with a player Um, or, or something, you know, along those lines. And eventually they find that it's the false hydra and they find out that it's, it's taking their memories and things. That is like, if it, that's the masterclass of running. Yeah. That's the masterclass of gaslighting your players and running hallucinations and false memories and visions because they start seeing things that didn't happen slash seeing things that did happen. They get confused. You're there going, I don't know what you're talking about. Keep going. And and it's just it's just an absolute mind fuck until they work out what's going on, and then you have to give them in the game the explanation. So when they kill um, the false hydra, hopefully they get their memories back or whatever, and they realise that for th- everything, you know, their entire adventure, 
they could have had a sixth party member, a best friend that they've forgotten about because they'd been in the village for one extra day than they realised and the false hydra had eaten them and removed them from their life. And that's when you leave just one little item that they find in the back of their bag, which is an old wedding ring that they didn't know they had. Oh. Oh. I mean, the way, the way we could run that is it would rely on either me or you retiring a character or just leaving the game. Oh my God, that would be incredible. Because, you know, say you say, you know, I wanted to, I don't know, retire Kiro um, and I wasn't bothered how, how he went sort of thing. I could just go, uh, Ben, do you want to have a false hydra? Eat him. And then... Oh my God. And then like... You know, I could you know come back as a different character or or whatever, and it's just that idea of you know, like, and you know, I could come in and be like, yeah, what, what, do you, "What do you mean you had a known friend with you? What are you talking about?" You, we could do it as a one shot where like you build not one shot, you know, a smaller small series of adventures where we build out a party, yeah, and you've got and you build out this big, big long story of how you've been a party for years, and then we play, and then. um after like the second day or whatever the first day it's like NPCs and then the second day you will go to sleep and then I go okay guys we're just gonna take a five minute break and you um you just disconnect from the call yeah and then when I come back and go oh James just is um James is just have to go and look after Elsie uh, for a second she's not very well he said just to keep going we'll fill him in when he comes back and then I'll start running it and you can just rejoin and listen in yeah and hear them freak out <laughs> oh that would be so good yeah. oh, Fuck, now we've got to do that. Anyway, if you, if you didn't know about the False Hydra, there's a little extra bonus for you. Go and look it up. It's, um, it, is, it's an inc- it is really in- cool. Incredible concept. Incredibly hard to pull off. Yeah. Especially, cause, I mean, I think that's the thing with a lot of like hallucinations and things. Once you've done it once, if you want to do it again, you're going to have to get really fucking creative. Yeah, you have to be different every time. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. You know, because, you know, when those players walk into that room and there's someone nice and inviting there, they're going to be like, hang on a minute, you do, you're doing that thing again. <laughs> hang on, <laughs> hang on. Let's do the invisible man test. <laughs> um, James, thank you for coming and talking to me uh, about hallucinations and visions. I hope that we have actually been sat here for the last hour and I haven't just been hallucinating and talking to myself. I guess I'll find out tomorrow I was, when I go to edit the episode. I was going to say what you're talking about, Ben. I've, I've just got here. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> You mean I've got to go again? Yeah, we're, um, we're about to start recording, Ben. You've not even done the intro. But my tea's cold. <laughs> uh, anyway, I hope, with all hope in my, my body, that we will be playing some actual Dungeons & Dragons next week. We will, however, at the very least, be playing some Witcher, so I'm very excited for that. So Yes. Um, that'll be good fun, and we'll have something to talk about. We should We should talk about the witcher more just because i want to at some point on this podcast anyway topic for another time if you want i mean hey look if you want to hear about the witcher come and let me know on the we speak common discord server uh you can join it by following the links in the description of this episode right now uh it's free to join it's a big community we love chatting about what's going on in life and uh in in D and other rpgs that are out there but you can also support the podcast directly if you join our patreon which gives you unlimited access to the server to extra channels, extra rooms, and of course, the Vibe Zone. I spent four hours in the Vibe Zone yesterday. Four hours just listening to music, writing up some stuff. No one hung out with me. That was very sad. So if you want to come and hang out with me, there you go. That's how you do it. And if you don't, then fine. I'll just sit on my own like a loser and listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this isn't paying me the light I wanted it to, James. No, it's not. Um, the Wee Speak Commons is full of people. Um, it's a lot of fun. So come and have a, come, come and have a look. Come and check it out. 
And of course, all the links to wonderful partners are below too. Uh, that's it. We're done, James. Is there anything you want to say before we go? Nah, see ya. I'm off. Were we really here, or did you just hallucinate the episode? We'll never know. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network in the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.